Hey, it's Jessica. Welcome back to Guru, please. So as you know, on this show, we talk a lot about turning obstacles into opportunities. And today's episode is about feeling unfulfilled at work or in your career and how to see the opportunity in that. This is your chance to do some self-discovery and also explore what is out there because we really don't know the full extent of what is out there. And even if you're content in your career, there's some helpful tips in this episode that can guide you further in the direction that you're interested in. And if you haven't already, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find the show, and I love to hear your feedback. And now here's the show on creating a career that you love. Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Benjamin Ritter. Dr. Benjamin Ritter is the founder of Live For Yourself Consulting, and he believes that everyone deserves and can feel that their work is meaningful. He is a leadership and empowerment coach, speaker, consultant, and mentor. He's passionate about guiding others in finding, creating, and sustaining a career they love. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. I am so happy to be here. And whenever anyone introduces me, I hear the word love so many times in creating and career that I just saw it like creates just a nice little energy. Oh, that's so perfect. Because I mean, that's that's your own bio. So let's start off with your own journey because you yourself kind of found yourself in a place uh, in your job where you felt less than fulfilled (laughs) and you even dreaded going to work and it was work that you could walk to and you didn't even have a commute and you dreaded that. Let's talk about where you were at that time and how you transitioned out of it. It was a really interesting situation because like you said, it was a really good job I could walk to work. There was complete autonomy. I really could do whatever I wanted. I enjoyed the people I worked with other than I think direct senior leadership. But just because there was autonomy doesn't really mean that it was great because there also was a lot of ambiguity. So there wasn't a lot of direction and clarity in terms of what my role was. Mainly, I felt really underutilized. And because of that, I started feeling stuck, which then made me pull away from the work itself because I felt like there were other options. So I started spending a lot of my time trying to find something else, which then, you know, you also then pull away from your social relationships at work. I ended up in the job, not because I chose it, but because it was the best thing at the time. And it was a two and a half year process to get that job of working odd jobs, unemployment, uh, really hustling, you know, sleepless nights because I was working evenings and then working mornings. And so it's like, I was at the place I was, not because I chose to be there, but because I ended up there, it was the best option at the time. And so I finally hit this point where I was empowered enough to make decisions on where I wanted to go next. And like, it hit me, like I could actually make decisions now. Like I have enough experience. I have enough understanding of who I am. I, the market is welcoming. And I was like, I do this. Why didn't I make this decision prior to that? And so it kind of just hit, just kind of hit me. I can stop. I can figure out what my strengths are, what my passions are, what challenges I want to face moving forwards. And I have the, I have all this information. I just need to sit back, answer these questions, then take action. And that's, that's what I did. And that's what led me to this space. Hmm. 
And when you say that you did that, did that mean like, did you quit your job or what specifically did you do? Mm -hmm. And so I never thought I wanted to be a coach. That wasn't the initial response. I think today, a lot of people know of coaching. So they're like, yeah, I want to do this thing where I get to work with people and help them because I resonate with that. But for me at that time, I resonated with this idea of helping professionals develop. And, and so at that time I had like a side hustling coaching practice. So I knew I enjoyed coaching, but I didn't know that leadership development, career development was an actual job that you could do until I was actually paired up in an emerging leaders program. I got selected for 16 months of leadership training at my organization. I got paired up with the director of coaching and I was like, whoa, <laughs> I completely resonated with him. I was like, this is a job. I could do this. I want to do that. I don't not, I want to go start my own business. I want to do what you're doing. How do I do that? And so I started working with their department. I, start, I went to my boss. I said, I want to do this type of work. This is where I feel like I am aligned. This is where I feel I can make an impact. This is what I want to learn. And surprisingly, she was super open to it. It was going to be a small part of my job, but it gave me a trickle of hope. The problem was it didn't go anywhere. There were a couple projects they said they'd get me involved in. They never really got me involved in them. And, and then like, it was kind of like end of the world part three, we got acquired for the third time. And so everyone I was working with basically lost their jobs. So that was pretty much a dead end for me, but I didn't, I didn't want to start my own business. It didn't seem like the path of least resistance because I've done that before and in different areas. And that's a lot of work. <laughs> so it's like, why don't I leverage where I'm currently at my, and gain more career capital, my relationships and, and do this in the easiest way, but it didn't work out. And so the second option was, and I was doing these kind of at the same time, even though they're different options, find another job in the space. So look at a different company, but I didn't have the career experience I have now in terms of how do you make a pivot work for you. And so everything that I was looking for was very much like an entry level position, but I was already an executive in healthcare. So it would have been, it wasn't very attractive. I wasn't getting like the doors weren't opening in the way that I need them to, to make the pivot work for me. And so then the third option, which was start my own business was where I ended up. And so I looked at my, my background in coaching, my expertise in entrepreneurship, because I had, I went to school for entrepreneurial management for my MBA. And I started a few different businesses, read a bunch of business books, seems like the path of least resistance and the golden key for me, which is how do I open those doors that I couldn't open when I looked for a full-time job was going back to get my doctorate in organizational leadership at the same time. And so that's how I ended up. We're kind of on this path. Mm. Yeah, it really sounds like you pieced everything together and it was like almost a procedure in, in a sense where you're saying, okay, let me look at my options. Let me see what works for me. This is what I want to do. You already identified like what you wanted from seeing somebody else do that. And from there, it was putting the puzzle together. And a lot of people get get held up here. And I work... I start working with a client and one of the initial screening questions is what have you done so far? What have you done so far to find out what you care about, to get this new position? And they're, they're like, well, maybe some of them have applied for jobs. 
like maybe some of them. And it's, it's not just that. There's a lot of internal work in terms of gaining clarity. There's a lot of work in terms of assessing options, assessing what could potential setbacks be, and then getting multiple balls up in the air at the same time through networking, through applying, through talking to your current employer. Like so often one of the greatest mistakes I see people do is they get so fed up with being stuck that they forget about where they're currently at, how much of an opportunity that is. And so they burn bridges and they just want to leave. And I, no, 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 no. Like people that I work with that want to launch businesses and be consultants or really, or go into another field, there are relationships, there are connections, there, there is value where you're currently at. And, but it's just, people are just so burnt out or they're so angry and resentful of where they are and that they, that they tend to miss that. So a lot of my work too is saying, don't be angry where you're at. Let's make where you're at work for you while still also looking at other options. Let's make where you, where you are ener energizing. So you're not coming home exhausted. So then you don't even want to apply for jobs or start networking. Like let's, let's look at the whole picture and work with that. Yeah. And to really say being grateful for, the fact that they do feel like maybe they want something else and that it is a space and a time to consider a big change. There are so many ways to go about attacking an issue such as like, how do I find fulfilling work? And I guess it's not an issue, but like a journey. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of times the like the main thing people need to do is just create a little bit of a process for themselves, break down this big idea of meaning into smaller chunks. So then you do take action. You do have greater confidence. And even just one conversation with, a, with someone in a position that you think you might want can open up so many doors and plant so many seeds and lead to so much growth. Mm, yeah, exactly. A lot of people find themselves caught up in the momentum of the past and their past decisions. And it's like you said, where it almost was like you didn't choose what everything kind of became. It was just like the next step and the next step. And you just wake up one day and find yourself in a place that you don't necessarily like anymore. Or you just feel a certain way about it that may have changed like since the beginning. What can people do or what are the first steps in terms of for those who are looking for change? The first step, I keep I'm hinting at this and keep coming back to it, is just saying, okay, I know I don't like where I'm at, but I'm, I'm going to let go of the pain and the negativity and the resentment. And instead of making it worse on a daily basis and be, being the victim, I'm going to say, okay, how do I make this work for me right now so that I'm not going home exhausted and tired and drained each and every single day. So what, what work energizes you? What work drains you? What relationships at work energize you? What relationships drain you? And so how, then once you have this type of information, you could start setting boundaries that work for you in the workplace so that you are working with people you enjoy. You're doing work that you might enjoy, but less of the work you dislike. You are setting boundaries that create an environment that give you more energy than think clearly, to think creatively, to be more innovative, and then to take those next steps. Because it's, it's so hard to know exactly what you want when you're constantly in a state of stress and frustration. Because mm -hmm. then like, you're not confident, you are stuck in the work, you're in a, like, have you ever been really angry? And then 
afterwards, like the next day, you're like, why did I, why did I act like that? Well, that's what's happening when we're in this constant state of stress. We're in this fight or flight mode. And so we can't actually create the, like, the thought patterns and figure out what we truly want to do next. And so I would say the first step is, okay, let go of the pain. Let's focus on making this work for you because you actually have control over it. To kind of release that stress and set yourself up to make decisions that work for you rather than maybe more impulsively. And once you do that, you've probably checked in with some few people at work that you really like. And you've probably also are a little bit, you're probably a little bit happier to be around during the day Mm -hmm. and you have a little bit more energy. Now you can actually start asking yourself, like, what are my strengths? And what do I really care about? What made me get into this field in the first place? Why did I take this job? What, are some challenges that I want to face in the future. So there's, there's this framework called the career sweet spot that I put together. Imagine like three circles that overlap with each other. And one circle is what I'm good at, like what you've been taught. So your schooling, past work experience, etc. Another circle is what are you passionate about, what you care about in your life and at work, like what revs, what gets you excited. And the third circle is what challenges, what learning opportunities do you want to face in the future? And where these circles intersect is your career sweet spot. It's where, it's where you should be at any given time. And that doesn't mean you need a new job. That means you can actually mold the job to get into that spot. Like you can find new opportunities at work. You could focus on work that you're really good at. You can focus on work where you're passionate. But if where you're at doesn't have any of these, then you're going you're gonna to feel less confident. You're going to feel stuck. You're going to basically have this feeling of like underutilization and unfulfillment. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're looking at new opportunities, you say, okay, where, where can I find a position that like falls into the middle of this diagram? And then you're more than likely to feel engaged and fulfilled and motivated. Okay. What if there isn't anything that hits that sweet spot? Mm -hmm. There is. So you mean that you don't, Mm. you don't know what it could be is Mm -hmm. the question Mm -hmm. Yeah. or you can't find what it is. So then, okay, so let's put our Explorer hats on. Let's jump in our pirate ship and let's start, let's start asking some questions and finding out information. Mm. You know, if you don't know what would fall into that spot, then you need to start asking some questions to yourself and asking some questions to people that are in roles that you might find interesting or that you might be passionate about. You need to get out of your comfort zone because there, there is that sweet spot for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a matter of researching externally and then also really asking yourself the right questions. Let's say like, okay, I'm going to take this job. I'm not sure if it's right. I'm not sure where it falls yet because we, we haven't worked there. So we don't know. So I'm kind of, we'll see, we'll see where it lands. So you work, you get in the position, you work there for three to six months, you get a good lay of the land and you're like, oh, this isn't really it at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go somewhere else yeah. or it's okay to go to your boss and say, this isn't the type of work that I was really, I wouldn't say that wasn't what I was prepared for. It's more so this is the work that I really love to do. How can we move this position towards this direction? That's okay to say that. It's yeah. okay to do those types of things. Organizations, especially if you, if you do good work, want to retain you. Yeah. So let's start having real and honest conversations proactively, not this is the problem. You go to your boss and say, this is where I really excel. This is an example of why I excel there. These are the people that I love to work with. This is the type of work that I want to be challenged with. Let's have those conversations and, and start this process for ourselves and take more control of our career. Yeah. In the meantime, 
you're gaining more information about what you want next because the, it's called the career journey. We have careers. We don't have, you know, we don't, uh, we don't have a job. So it's like, you're supposed to find new jobs. You're supposed to learn things about yourself. You know, we can help with that process by going on LinkedIn and connecting with someone in a position above us that we think we might want and talking about their day. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a form of leadership to do that for yourself. You talk about the three C's of self-leadership. I want to kind of go in depth on what that is. So when I first started Live for Yourself Consulting, I had the Live system. This Live framework was a decision-making process that people could use to ensure that they were more aligned in their life. Because for me, alignment means fulfillment, which means that's the purpose of life for me. It's are you living intentionally towards your goals, towards your values, et cetera. But I was finding that certain clients needed more work in certain areas to, for them to be able to use this framework. And what they needed work in were these three traits that I've coined the three C's of self-leadership. And so they are clarity, confidence, and control. And so clarity is what are your goals? Why do you care about them? And what are the processes to actually get there? Also long as, as well as like what could hold you back from getting them and preparing for those setbacks. That tends to build confidence, but confidence also comes from what are your strengths? What are your areas of improvement? And then intentionally skilling up in the areas that you need assistance in. So like literally, instead of just watching TV or listening to any podcast, it's, I need help with sales. I'm going to go listen to sales podcast this week. I'm going to go read a sales book this month. So being very intentional about that, as well as just your personal belief in yourself. So confidence is, is two things. It's self-efficacy. It's self-efficacy. So the belief in yourself, as well as the, the actual belief in your, in your tangible skills. Mm-hmm. So self, self-esteem and self-efficacy. So then understanding your beliefs of who you are, and understanding the negative beliefs that you have, like the inner critic that we all have, the, a lot of people have imposter syndrome. They walk into a room and all they think about is what other people are thinking about them. And so they're so internally focused, but it's understanding those beliefs and being able to reframe them in a way daily or in a daily practice to ensure that their inner champion is stronger. So when you have clarity, that tends to build confidence because you understand what you stand for. And then if you tool up, and actually intentionally start studying and understand that it's a process that builds greater confidence, which, and those two tend to build greater control and control is this, this very much I'm aimed towards this direction and the roller coaster of emotions that is just a given when it comes to life is not going to push me off of that, that path. So control is I'm intentionally living towards the clarity that I've found the goals and the, the skills that I know I need to build and the people around me, the environment that I surround myself with, so the, your, your actual relationships are very much aligned as well to support you. Mm, yeah, I see. So to be able to understand these things will help us and to recognize that these are three things that we need and to kind of do that self-assessment and say, okay, maybe right now, like I have the confidence, but maybe lack the clarity or vice versa. And knowing that control is part of like having a meaningful career and a meaningful life. Yeah. And let's say like someone's trying to pivot, but they don't know what they want to pivot to. So the initial steps have to be clarity because if you're taking action, then you're just going to end up in the same place. Mm. And then to be able to actually like take action, once you have clarity, you need to build 
of confidence. And again, usually clarity, like understanding what you stand for will help you take action, but you have to work on those limiting beliefs that we, you know, that we have like so often when I work on networking strategies, it's, it's still amazes me how fearful people are of reaching out to strangers they don't know. Yeah. And not just one or two, but I'm talking about like, Hey, I'm sending out a hundred invitations a day. And it's like, it, it, I take people through this activity, pull out your phone, open up your LinkedIn app, search for the keyword of, of what you want to learn about or what jobs you want. Like, let's say you want to talk to, you want to talk to CTOs or chief of people or some sort of executive level position or someone that works at Amazon or Zappos or something. Google that, like not Google, search for it in the LinkedIn bar and then literally just go down the list and add 30 people. Mm-hmm. And it like, like the, the stunned faces and it's like, what is going to happen to you? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Like what negative thing can happen for you just add, uh, connecting with people? And I promise you at least five of those people are going to connect. Mm-hmm. And then you can send out messages. At least one of those, one of those people is going to have a conversation with you. Boom. You achieved the goal of talking to someone at this company. So confidence is a huge focal point, but let's say you, so you build some confidence, you skill up, you understand your why. And now it's okay. So I know where I want to go with work. I know I, I, I know, like, I believe in myself to be able to get there now control. So I'm going to hold myself accountable to every day, reaching out to three people to two conversations a week to apply into three jobs. And I'm going to surround myself with a network of people that are related to this industry. So I stay up to date on relevant news. So I stay motivated. And because they're just, it's good to be around people with that. I'm going like in the industry that I want to work in. I think it's so important that you brought up the fear career-wise, whether it's making a career move or connecting with people or just saying, you know, I want something different. How do you see the fear of failure or emotional vulnerability play into uh, how people navigate this? We are all stuck in the programs of our past. So whatever you have experienced is what you will continue to experience unless you have a new experience that is impactful enough, creates enough of an emotion or an event in your life that then adds more of like a changes your program or adds to the program. Like it could reinforce it or change it. If you've never reached out to people that, so you have a fear there or you've never changed jobs, you have a fear there. So whatever you've never done, there's more than likely going to be a fear there, some level of discomfort. And it's very important if you're looking to change, to make a change in your life, that you don't, you don't listen to the discomfort other than allowing it to, like for you to, un, like for it to become almost like a trigger, an alarm. So whenever I feel discomfort, that means I'm on the right path. So it's, 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 we reframe this idea of nervousness and we look at nervousness as excitement. There's a really great quick little video from Simon Stenick. He, he, he talks about the difference between nervousness and excitement. He uses the example of athletes taking the game-winning shot in the championship. And he talks about how a reporter will interview these athletes and say, were you nervous? Were you nervous? And the athlete's like, no, I was excited. Like, I'm, I'm in the championship taking the shot. Like, that's exciting. I'm, I'm here to perform. And so if we look at our fear as basically not something to be afraid of, and we look at it as, an emotional response to something that is uncomfortable, which means that I'm on the right path, that really does help. And then I would also say, we are good at things that we commit to, but so often we think we're committing to things that we're not really committed to. I know that's kind of a tongue twister. Like for example, I want to work out. I want to go to the gym. Great, but I'm not going. Okay. So 
in all honesty, you haven't committed to going to the gym. You haven't just made a decision, I'm going to the gym. Instead, you've said, I want to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to networking, outreach, applying to jobs, if you're not doing something, you haven't actually committed to it. A commitment is very different. We've all made commitments in our life. There, there are parts of our lives where we have made a commitment. I make a commitment to wake up at this time to go into this job every single day, even if I don't like it. So you're, you can do things that you don't like. So it's asking yourself, what have I committed to in the past? Why have I committed to it? And how is this different? And how can I commit to this right now? I mean, even like relationships are a great example. You commit to relationships, you commit to family, you commit to friends. So you commit to eating each and every single day, even though that's a need. But so how do we see the things that we're not doing as commitments as well? Mm, right. Because it, it really takes that extra step of committing. Just saying that you want to do something is not the same as a commitment. And it just won't happen like if you don't commit. And, and what do commitments look like? And honestly, like that's why people hire coaches. It's mm-hmm. They are making a commitment. One of the huge reasons why people end up staying accountable in a program is because coaching tends to be fairly expensive. Yeah. You know, it's, and so it's, you're making this huge financial investment. You better get something out of it. Exactly. Like, it's like when I wanted to learn the guitar, I failed at it completely because I didn't invest in it. I didn't get lessons. I didn't keep it right in front of me all the time. I made excuses for it. And instead I now purchased a keyboard, which is what I really care about. I, I actually really want to learn how to play the piano and I've made an investment in lessons and I now keep it right out in front of me so I can see it every day. And it's like, I play for people and it's, so it's a very different perspective, like a very different relationship that I have with that decision that I made than the one in the past where I didn't commit to. Right, right, exactly. Let's go back to talking about boundaries. Right now, during the pandemic, people are working overworked. They are being called by their managers on the weekends, the evenings, and the early mornings. What can people do to set boundaries and to really protect their energy and their time? First off, understand where you need boundaries and really anything is possible. Like a lot of limiting beliefs come into play when people think about boundaries so they don't see what's actually possible. I remember when I used to work full time, I didn't want to stay after five for meetings. I had other stuff I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I told the CEO that. (laughs) And and they didn't schedule meetings after five. And if they did, they gave me a huge amount of warning, like a large amount of warning. And I kept my job. Like I didn't like wearing a suit and I liked rolling up my sleeves. And that's what I did. And no one said anything. And I was able to do that. And eventually everyone started taking off their suit jackets and rolling up their sleeves because that was more comfortable for them. I didn't respond to emails at night, even if I saw the email and it could, because that would set the precedence that I responded to emails at night. And if you think about it too, every time that you work in a way you don't want to work that reinforces the fact that you will work that way. And for everybody else around you, it reinforces that's how you should work. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of companies that have policies to not send emails on the weekends because that puts pressure on other people as well. It impacts their level of satisfaction. Right. Yeah, it definitely is kind of, it becomes more of a domino effect where 
in essence, by sending the email at night or by picking up the phone on the weekend, you, you're just setting precedence for the okayness moving forward of, of that activity. Mm-hmm. And so what do you want like, to change about your work? And so often right now during this time, everyone's, everyone's remote. And I'm sure in the future, more, you know, people are still going to be remote. Mm-hmm. And that tends to, to be a tough situation for employees because now you're always available. And now instead of you leave work, you're not working anymore. Now your boss knows you're, you're home and home is work. So you're working all the time. Right. And I, people would come to me and just, Oh, this, it's great to be home. But I, my boss is talk, call me on the weekend calling me at night, expecting me to work and do all this stuff. And there are a lot of pressures to get work done right now because who knows if you're going to get a job or keep your job or what the environment is like out there. And so a lot of people are under pressure. Mm-hmm. And so it's not surprising that workload might, as, might have increased or leaders are nervous about getting work done and everything is a fire that they're trying to burn out. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you need to follow suit. Right. right. So if you, if, so basically identify where you need some boundaries and I'll, I'll just use, for example, working too late in the evenings or working on the weekends and have that discussion. If it's not as simple as you just not responding to an email on the weekends, which may make you uncomfortable, but the world's not going to end. The work will still be there during the weekday. Or if it's you actually approaching your team and say, guys, this isn't working. We're going to burn out. Let's set some boundaries. Can we have labels on our emails that say potentially urgent or action or info or just something to identify if something needs to get done right away? And would it be that bad to not work after seven o'clock or eight o'clock or six o'clock. So like, really, can you have these discussions with your leaders? Yeah. Yeah. And to really start that conversation, because if you don't initiate that conversation, it likely just won't happen. Your leadership may not realize what's going on, or they may be also burning out. Yeah. And by you bringing this conversation and stepping up to the team, not with a problem, but with a solution, like, look, if something really needs to get done, this is how you can contact me and it will get done. But this is also not sustainable. So let's create some better processes. Let's be more efficient during the week to get this stuff to make sure that we don't have to work after hours or during the day. Like, where can we cut things that aren't working for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And really be solution oriented. What about for people who maybe want to make a change in this time but are fearful of the current market situation? What's your like advice there? There is so much opportunity right now. Like whenever a company goes under, because there are a lot of cuts right now, some other company is, is picking up the slack. Mm. So there's a lot of growth right now. There's also a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs. And so I'd say identify where that opportunity is in an industry that you care about, just look at that space, like read articles about that space, connect with people that are in that space to prove to yourself that this is, this is an area of growth. Now there are some industries that are getting hit really hard, but in those industries that are hit really hard, a lot of them, if you take a look are hiring for specific positions because they still have a need to continue operating. Mm -hmm. It's just, they have a different need than what they had before. Mm So hopefully just, just hearing that gives some people some more confidence. I work with clients all the time that are getting job offers that are getting new clients. And I talk to people that are working this space too. 
and it's happening. People that are finding opportunity are the ones that are taking action and believe that there's opportunity. The people that aren't finding opportunity are the people that believe there isn't opportunity and aren't actually doing anything or taking action. Right, right, exactly. We went through a lot here and somewhat of a step-by-step process of making a change so that we can feel greater fulfillment and meaning in our work. I mean, how long are you seeing this process take? And are people trying multiple times to kind of make different moves and different switches in their career journey? Every single month I sit back and ask myself these questions. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a constant process. Your career is a journey in itself. And if you, if you understand and believe in yourself enough that you are motivated by this concept of living for yourself, then this, like, you will understand that it is an evolution. We're not supposed to one day and say, like, we made it. Like, that's, especially with purpose, if you think about what purpose is, it's just a way for you to be energized and motivated and feel good. Like, it's not supposed to run out. It's not supposed to, you're not supposed to hit some main, main endpoint because then what, like, it's just this, it's this never ending, flowing river, stream, ocean, rain, you know, cloud, whatever you want to call it, of energy that you can always tap into. But as you evolve, the things that you may be connected to or want to pursue should also evolve based on your experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant process. You know, I work with clients on a three to six month basis usually. So you can get unstuck in three months. Even Let's say you are starting from scratch with nothing. You don't have any clarity, you have no confidence. Like I'd say three months, we could get you unstuck. Six mm-hmm. months, you could get some real change going. But then it's, let's say you do something for a year or two years and you're, you're someone that likes novelty and you like to have new experience. You may do this again. Like you may ask yourself these questions because now you know them. Like even myself, last year I took on a contract job where I created a curriculum for high school. Like it's not, not leadership coaching. This year, you know, I took on a bunch of other contract opportunities because at the core of this are your values, what you feel connected to. But your values aren't goals. Goals are just a the living action of your values Mm. so once you finish that you still have your values you just you go and do something else because you never run out on your values like it's not like a goal where okay i'm done with this check but a value is really something you live by all the time everything you do you'll you'll find out even if let's say i have this huge goal i'm working with a client right now i have this goal to become a an executive i want to be a ceo of a company great when you become a ceo of your company then what You think that's it? <laughs> right. Yeah. So why do you want to become a CEO? What's at the core of that? Mm. What do you truly care about? What are you passionate about? What type of organization do you want to work for? Yeah. What's next after that? You know, what, what, how do you want to spend your time after that? Because we have these arbitrary goals about things we want to dedicate our time to, but we forget that the reason why we want to achieve those things are because of a much deeper, important reason. Yeah. And it's really finding the core of it, which is never going to be an objective goal. It's going to be, you know, values like freedom or um, novelty, as you said, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the the name of your consulting company is Live for Yourself, as you mentioned. What does that mean to you, Live for Yourself? I'm just going to hit on the values again because, and by the way, this, like the name came up, when I was flying to a weekend of class, because my doctoral program was in LA and I was living in Chicago and mm-hmm. it was a global access program. So I had to fly out every other, every other month. And mm-hmm. I used, I was basically going every month. 
but I was on the plane going to a weekend of class and I was figuring out the name of the company and what I wanted to offer. And so I had one of those beverage napkins that the airline attendant used to pass out. And I was writing on it, like writing down the, the words that I felt were really important and mm-hmm. I was creating a system in the air. And I was like, well, I wanted to, what I wanted this to, to really imply. And I want it to imply self-empowerment. I want it to imply that like your values are the most important. It doesn't really matter what else is going on in the world. You control yourself mm-hmm. and live came up live for yourself, which live stands for life, intentions, values, expectations, which is the, the live system and how you should be making decisions to, to be more aligned. And so long story short, live for yourself means that you know what you care about. You know so completely that your decisions that relate to your friends, to your career, to your relationships, to your personal life, to everything that you do, is related to those values, that foundation. It's living aligned. And when you do that, you're living a life that is easy, that is simple. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not gonna be sad, you're not gonna be frustrated or angry, you have to make tough decisions, but you are living a life that is really curated for you. And so often I see people living lives that are just filled with stress and frustration and dissonance because they haven't taken really control Mm. to craft their life in a way that fits you know this they're like trying to shove this like square peg in into a to a round hole instead of making the whole round Mm. it's really being deliberate about how we want our life to look and taking those steps to do so because what we're provided as as we grow up is probably not you know true to what we uh, we want or really aligns with ourselves because how would anyone around us know? Yeah. Yeah. And so often we base our decisions on other people, but they're not us. Yeah. How do we let go of that? Like this maybe self-judgment or comparing or almost FOMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes, takes a lot of work. Honestly, it's, if you look back at the three C's, that's what helps. It's sitting back and exploring, gaining clarity. And there's a great exercise I love doing, and it's exploring your defining moments, the things that have been pivotal in your life that have led you to who you are. Mm. And when you get a better understanding, instead of just living, you get a better understanding of, of, of what you've gone through, what made you you, then you can you can start figuring some stuff out after that too. Yeah, going through those exploratory questions and activities. Yeah. Well, Benjamin, thank you so, so much for sharing these very actionable things for people to do. You know, there are too many people in the world who feel unfulfilled, especially in in their work and career. And as you said, it's a matter of months that we can really use this kind of frustration as an opportunity to cultivate ourselves, to get deeper in who we are and to make big shifts in our lives that'll have a huge impact on how we relate to others, how we relate to ourselves and, and the world at large. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.